welcome to This Podcast is Written on the Back of the Declaration of Independence, a show in which we discover that time is indeed like a burrito. Tasty. Hello. Hello, my name's Callum. And I'm Chelsea. This is our review show in which uh, I, a Nicolas Cage noob, and you, a Nicolas Cage nerd, watch through the back catalogue of the one true god that's a new addition to the intro i literally just thought of it what do you think i like it it's nice you know what if someone starts listening now like why would they but maybe maybe peggy sue got married is a big film and they've never seen maybe maybe they've never heard this show before they like their time travel not back to the future but a very close resemblance very closely resembled yeah so they would come for Peggy Sue Got Married. That's right, Peggy Sue Got Married. It's the episode you've all been waiting for. This is actually genuinely... <laughs> this is genuinely one of our most requested films. As in it? someone requested in... it. No, I've been asked to do this before. Have you? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, this particular time it was been suggested by a friend of the podcast, David. Thank you, David. Thank you, Dave. Um, yeah. Peggy Sue Got Married, 1986, Francis Ford Coppola of Godfather Part 3 and 2 and 1 fame. (laughs) Sorry, that really tickled me. Well, that I chose to do them in descending order. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Also directed Jack, that creepy film with... Oh, where um, Robin Williams... Robin Williams grows old and Bing Crosby's in it. (laughs) Not Bing Crosby. Bill Crosby. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. (laughs) Two very different people. Two different people. Both problematic in their own ways. Bill Cosby's in it. Oh, is he? I've never seen Jack. Yeah, and... I don't um, really want to. I I remember Jack as a childhood staple. We had a VHS of it. We watched it quite a lot. And looking back on it in my mind's eye creepy fucking film. God, we ate that shit up in the 90s though, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Anything to keep the kids quiet. Yeah. The the worst quality VHS, that's the one. It's one of those things that I think just because it was Robin Williams, if it was anyone, but it, if it wasn't Robin Williams, mm. we would have all gone, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? This big hairy ape man's actually a 10 year old child and he's in love with J-Lo? What? <laughs> J-Lo in that film. J-Lo plays the school teacher that he falls in love with. Oh, J-Lo, no. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, yeah, Francis Ford Coppola, Apocalypse Now, also directed Peggy Sue Got Married. Is he related to Cage in the way that uh, he's he's related to a yes. Coppola? Yes. So, that's, um, his, that's his real name? Is uh, that... So uh, Francis Ford Coppola is his uncle? God, that's pretty handy, isn't it? Yes, if you're an uncle, actor and uncle. your uncle is one of the biggest directors ever. Yeah, yeah, it's super handy. It's yeah. also super handy if you are one of the co-stars of this film, uh, Sofia Coppola, who cannot act for shit. Oh, she's the little sister in this. Exactly. Isn't she? Yeah. Because I was looking, going, we've got straight in. Who folks, the sorry. fuck is this? Who the fuck is this? And why have they hired her? Oh, she's clearly supposed to be. Dor- they're acting like she's supposed to be preteen. Yeah. So like. They've hired an actual preteen. And yeah. I'm looking at it going, fuck me. She's she awful. can't even speak barely. No. That's uh, daughter of the director, famous for ruining The Godfather Part 3. Uh, also <laughs> the director of uh, Lost in Translation and yes. Marie Antoinette, starring Kirsten Dunst. You know, a good director yeah. on paper, but a very bad actress. She can't 
speak like she's uh, ever spoken before. Yeah. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Nepotism. Yep. Anyway, I'm sure we'll get around <laughs> to that. Tell us a little bit more about the film Peggy Sue Gone Get Married. Peggy Sue Gone and Got Married um, is the story of Kathleen Turner, wonderful woman, who... Um... Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> house, the house in Monster House. She plays the house. Really? Mon- yep. That's incredible. Uh, so this is already so tangenty. Sorry, folks. Yeah. Um, enjoy this Robert episode. Zemeckis directed, uh, who framed Roger Rabbit, yeah. produced, uh, animated, uh, mid two thousands kids film Monster House. But An was... absolute modern classic. I fucking great love film. that film. It is a brilliant. Um, one of my favourite subgenres, which is kids' first scary movie. It's pretty creepy. Gremlins and uh, things like The Gate uh, and so on. Yeah. Um, Monster House falls into it. Anyway, Robert Zemeckis produced that because it's motion capture. Mm-hmm. And Robert Zemeckis is a big fan of the motion capture. And uh, he offered the role to Kathleen Turner uh, saying, uh, you've played the most beautiful animated character of all time. Now play the ugliest. <laughs> and she plays the very large, overweight woman who gets killed. And then her spirit Uh, imbues the house. But she also did the motion capture for the house. There is footage of her (gasps) Benedict Cumberbatch desolation of Smaug style running, like crawling around on the floor, (laughs) shouting, pretending to be a giant wooden house with two tree trunks for arms. Fucking gold. Brilliant actress. And someone I want to see a lot more of. I haven't seen a lot of her recently. I don't know why. Maybe I'm not looking in the right places. But. out of the gate, I, I really like her performance in this, and I like Kathleen Turner. Yeah, so as I was saying, yeah. it's a film with Kathleen Turner, that's as far as I got. I'm glad uh, you like her. She uh, was the house in Monster House. What? No what? way. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, okay. Um, so, Kathleen Turner is recently divorced, or about to be divorced from Nicolas Cage. They have split up because he has run off with a younger woman. Yes. Tale as old as time, as my dear Angela Lansbury would say. We've seen that before. Anyway, she goes to their high school reunion. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, obviously, happily married in uh, makeup that ages them about 20 years, supposedly. And... At this reunion, she gets crowned prom queen, yep. or whatever the equivalent is for 40-year-old women. And then she has a complete blip where she kind of passes out and wakes up in her own past. She wakes up as her teenage self and goes on a journey to find out if she can change her life or uh, if she has made the right decisions. Yes. She goes back to back to the future. She goes back to the Past. The past and then to, to the future. To see about her future. future. Yeah. What are your opening thoughts on Peggy Sue got married? Okay, so I'm not a rom-com person, really. It's just not my taste. I don't watch a lot of them. I don't read a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, I, it was it was fine. I I quite like that there were some weird stylistic choices in this film. Yeah. I just kind of wish there was a little bit more. Yeah. I, uh, they frame it around the song Peggy Sue Got Married. Yeah, obviously. Buddy right. Holly song. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was kind of hoping it would be a bit more musical. Oh, yeah. 
It's and very, there it's is very, elements of that, but yeah. I know what you mean. I was hoping there'd be a bit more. I, I don't know why I had it in my head that it was partly a musical. I think because we've discussed in the past, yeah. has Nicolas Cage done a musical? And this film came up. He is not as singing a full in, musical, yeah, he's but singing he does in this, sing in this. But he's not in a musical yet. Um, I was just kind of hoping for a bit more of that. And like, just more comedy. It's very sentimental. It's lovely. Yeah. It's very sentimental. I was I was hoping for a bit more comedy. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I didn't like it, mm. but I, I wouldn't choose it necessarily to watch again. Yeah, interestingly enough, it was placed on AFI, the American Film Institute's top 100 comedies of all time. Really? Which is very odd because it's far more, in my opinion, it's far, it's not even very romantic, but it's far more of the romance genre than of the comedy genre. Yeah. Oh, there it's... are some corkers of gags, though, in this film. There's some lovely gags. Where there is comedy, it's very good. Yeah, but it's far more... The whole film is kind of very rose-tinty and yeah. romantic and wistful there's and dreamy. Just more, there's more pathos to it yeah, than, than, a than comedy. there is comedy. It's not, it's not like... I mean, even when you take something like Back to the Future, which is the clear, obvious thing Parallel, to compare it yeah. with because you know mid 90s a uh, mid 80s film about traveling back to the 60s and being involved in your own like high school past and all of this kind of stuff even that which is probably much more of like an action adventure film is much more clearly comedic than this film yeah so i find it odd that it's kind of almost that it is a rom-com because it isn't it's kind of a romance with time travel with a bit of comedy yeah, now so I don't I don't know what the order of things coming out was, but it does feel like this like Back to the Future did well, and they went let's make a girls version or let's make a mum version. Yeah, of Back to the Future, and I don't. This might have come out before I Back to the Future. I believe Back to the Future was nineteen eighty five, so only the year before. So if this was a reaction, it was a it was a very very quick, quick reaction. reaction. Wow, um, someone must have been in the water. What was in the water in the 80s? Cold War? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, some, well, I mean, guess so. Yeah, maybe some sort of like wistful nostalgia like we've got currently for the 80s. Maybe yeah. in the 80s there was this wistful nostalgia for, for the, the 60s. 60s. For the 50s and 60s. Because this is 1960 she goes back to. She goes back to 25 years? No, it's the years? 50s, isn't it? I thought it was 1960 she goes back to. Maybe On it that was. that blood drive. I think it says that big book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, it was December 1960. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a really odd film. There's lots that I really like. Mm. There's a lot of plotting that I don't agree with. Yeah. That I just find bizarre and I'm not sure what the point yeah. was. But there's lots of stuff that I really, really like. Yeah, oh, I mean, we have watched much worse stuff in the name yeah. of this podcast, yeah. listeners. Much worse stuff. Oh, fuck yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm talking about, should we get started? Talking about things that we like? I feel like we started 20 minutes ago, but Did you uh, know? we might as well continue. <laughs> Kathleen Turner <laughs> was the house in Monster House. Um, Sorry, what was she? Talking about things that we like. Yeah. I really liked, this is very minutia, the opening and closing shots, which are really fucking nice and really well done when you realise what you're seeing. Can you think back to those opening and closing shots? I can think so, to the opening one. She's sitting at 
Are you thinking of the bit where she's sitting at her dressing table? Yes. And you don't realise you're looking at her looking into the mirror? Yeah, so you get that old classic chestnut of the camera's in the mirror, but you don't see the camera. Yeah. So what you've got is a hole in a double-sided set. Mm. And uh, uh, the back of a double copying the movements and the camera pulling through those two things. And then in the end of the film, spoilers... When she wakes up in hospital, mm. you have the same thing happen with a mirror in the hospital. Uh. So you get this lovely kind of like closing and opening and closing kind of brackets to the film, which is very cheesy pie, but feels appropriate. But also has this kind of like through the looking glass kind of ooh, clever metaphor, inverted commas. Yeah, as you were explaining it then, I was going, shit me, this film had more money than it looks like it has and that's not to say mm. it looks cheap no but because it's made in the 80s it's mainly just it... people running around and talking to each other in yeah. school sets there's and no, no, the no sets reason for are great it to, no reason for it to be expensive so to speak but no. there's a few moments where you can clearly see like oh fuck they've hired a lot of vintage cars yeah and they've lined the streets and they've given you a nice big dynamic opening shot mm. for something that is just a little romantic comedy they've you know they've spent some money on it I wonder how big a star like Kathleen Turner was at that point. Maybe it was a the reason this has got money is because we've got a star in the in the in the yeah, in the maybe. driving seat of it. Um but yeah, I just really like those opening shots. I thought they yeah. were very nice. A tick of five points. Very nice. Now, uh, shall we uh talk about the fact that our man Cage is starring in this film as everyone's dirty uncle? He <laughs> so Nicholas... weird. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is, I mean, this is a major problem with the film. A, it's made in the 80s. Everyone looks old. Everyone looks so old. That was just the style. I would say 50% of that is because the film is old. Yeah. And when you look back at an old photo, everyone looks older. Everyone just looks, something about the style or the look or whatever. People's faces were different back then. They all look older. So 50% of it is that. 50% of it is the fact that because there's this time travel element and people mm-hmm. are playing both their old selves. So they're playing like people who are supposed to be like 17, 18-ish yeah. in the 60s. Yeah. And they're also supposed to be playing, what, 30, uh, yeah, 35, 40-year-olds yeah. in in the present day, yeah. quote-unquote. I think what they've done is they've tried to cast in the middle. Yes. They've tried to cast people who are in their sort of mid-twenties, maybe. And therefore they look both too old and too young at the same time. So they don't fit either of the things. Whereas then, again, the comparison to make is Back to the Future. And particularly Crispin Glover and... uh, I can't remember the actress's name, but uh, who plays Lorraine, the mother. Mum and Dad. Those two, they've casted much more young... So yeah. that they, you're like, yeah, okay, it could be, it could be 18 years old. Yeah. And then, yeah, okay, the makeup looks shit when they're older. But they've, they've kind of picked one camp to sit in. Yeah. Because, oh, the majority of the film, they need to look young. So yeah. let's, whereas Jim Carrey looks young. Yeah. Everyone else looks like they should be on a list for being in that school. <laughs> no, the nerd kid, he looked, uh, yeah, he looked okay. But then he looks awful as an adult they've yes, stuck on does. a little like moustache fake moustache and um he's given off really strong like incel vibes um 
I mean, anyone who has no friends growing up and then becomes a tech billionaire gives off incel vibes, right? Yeah. Does not every billionaire kind of give you incel vibes? What what I wrote was, Richard has big incel dream vibes, as in what an incel would like to be when they're older. In that he gets a wife and he's a billionaire, and because he's he's got a wife and he's rich and he's an inventor, he becomes prom king. Yes. Like, everyone respects him now because he's in the future. Uh, because he's like you know because he's turned himself into elon but that is the story you're sold though i was a teenager with not many friends and like a big old nerd and everyone was like yeah well you'll be such a successful adult though it gets better guys and then you try and buy a house And you realise that everyone only looked old in the 80s because they'd had the the burden of home ownership for 20 years by the time they're 35, you know? Yeah, well, they were all married. They'd squeezed out five kids. with kids and houses by the time they were 30. What the fuck is that about? No wonder we can't afford it now. You no bastard boomers. Um, anyway, sorry to boomers listening. They all look so old. <laughs> so old. And... Um, it's almost Nicholas, as bad as Greece. Nick, oh, it's fa- almost it's, as it's bad not as, as Greece. But it's almost. It's virgin. It's close. I mean, Greece is awful. Greece <laughs> I love is, it. I love it so much. Greece is awful. You look at those teenagers' faces, and you're yeah. like, you can, you're like falling into the crevices on their on their foreheads. You're <laughs> like, what the fuck? But when I was a kid and I watched Greece, I was like, yeah, those are teenagers. I buy that. They I look so I old. They I look think, the right age. I think even when I watched it as a kid, like. I didn't necessarily even get that they were teenagers. I was just like, yeah, they're they're older than me. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, fucking weird. Um, but Nicolas Cage. I mean, let, let's just talk about what the fuck he's doing in this film. Okay, so his job, I think he's an electronics salesman. Yeah. Like selling TVs and things. Works in like, yeah. <laughs> but the beginning of the film very much makes it look like his job is... Smashing fortune cookies. Yeah, yeah. We the film opens in this mirror shot on a tight of the TV in the corner of the room. Yeah, playing an advert for like a like a crazy American style local salesman. Like, um, the thing that comes to my mind is I'm ants in my eyes, Johnson, and I've got ants in my eyes. It's from Rick and Morty. That kind of character, <laughs> yeah. and he's playing it, and he's like, I've got fridges to suddenly smashing fortune cookies and reading the fortunes and it's like the price of the fridge or whatever what's the meme what's the meme with the guy walking down the aisle of fridges he's amazing i i I love refrigerators i love refrigerators it's that kind of thing it's that kind of thing he's a local salesman on tv yeah and um i love refrigerators (laughs) and yeah so that's so he's kind of washed up and whatnot and um I mean, the main thing we need to talk about with him is mm. what the fuck is he doing with his voice? I mean, also, what the fuck is he doing with Kathleen Turner? I don't buy it for a fucking second. Watching the whole movie through, I'm like, how did this happen? Why yeah. is he the choice we're supposed to want you to make? Yeah, he's not a nice character. This is my... When I said I've got plot problems with the, the film plotting-wise, Yeah, my problem is with her reasoning to continue to persevere with Cage as a character. Particularly when they're in like this, like she's in this dream. So so in the future she's divorced or at least broken up with. Yeah. And then she goes back in time. It's like, you've given this choice to like do whatever you want and rewrite your life or whatever. 
but she doesn't necessarily know that she's rewriting her life. So part of me just thinks, why would you continue to hang around with this fucking jerk while you're in the past? Yeah. Like, he's just not... He's not particularly nice. The first time we really meet him in the past properly, the first full scene with him in the past properly, he's talking about how they recently had a conversation about how they're going to have an open relationship for the next three years so he can focus on his music career? No, I think the idea was he was suggesting they stay together until after prom. Yeah. And then for three years while he works at his music career, they see other people and then they get married. And he like even used the phrase like, Let's something along the lines people. of like trying other models or shopping around or something uh, like that. Comparison shopping. Comparison shopping. And I just immediately was like, well, he's a piece of shit. Like, unless he really, unless the whole film is about his redemption arc. Exactly. Or... That's what I think they were going for is he appears at the beginning a piece of shit and then he realizes he's going to lose her and is redeemed because he comes to his senses in yeah. some way. And that's what Which the... is what we're supposed to believe is happening and it kind of does. Where we get to in the end. Yeah. You know, with that final sequence, but but she wastes all this time in the middle doing that and there's no there's no discernible reason and I think his voice is a big part of the reason why I really hate that character. So talk to, tell <laughs> tell tell everyone about his voice. I don't know if I can. So he he um, adopts this voice. And it's like nasal, nerdy, lispy. Yeah. I can't work out, was he, like, putting an accent on it? It's kind of like he was... Because his character's supposed to be kind of quite popular and, like, the cool kid. Yeah, and it is the exact opposite of what you would imagine a cool kid would sound like. The voice is, like, yeah, it's almost stereotypical geek. Mm. Let's just, let's pop some here so people can hear it. What? You mean sex? (laughs) Intercourse. You want to have intercourse? Last weekend you said, what time is it? Holy cow. It's late. A lot of things have happened since last weekend. But you were the one who said we should wait. And you were right. We should wait until we get married. Yeah, it's odd, right? My only thought is he must have fucking insisted on that because why is that there? Uh, I have opened up IMDb trivia for you. Oh, yes. Nicolas Cage based his character's voice on Pokey of The Gumby Show, 1956. Not sure what that is. Francis Ford Coppola and the producers hated the voice and Cage was nearly fired. But Cage managed to convince Coppola he was making a good choice. Oh, it's easy when the director's your uncle, isn't it? Isn't it just? Oh, come on, Uncle Frankie. I want to do the voice. And he goes, oh, right right then. then. Whereas if you turned up on set, Mr. Not Related to Anybody, and went, I want to do this wacky voice that doesn't fit the character, they'd be like, no. And you go, no, I insist. And they go, fuck off. In a 2018 interview with David Marchese on the website Vulture, Kathleen Turner said that she was taken aback on the set of Peggy Sue Got Married when she first heard the voice that Nicolas Cage chose to use while playing her love interest, but she didn't think it was her job to direct another actor's performance. Correct. Correct. She instead talked to the movie's director, Francis Ford Coppola, and went behind his fucking back. 
and asked if he had approved Cage's choice. When Coppola failed to intervene, Turner said she made it work by choosing to interact with Cage's character in a way that explained her character's eventual disillusionment... uh, Disillusionment. With the past. I don't don't know what that means, really, but... Whatever she needed to get herself through that film, I'll accept. Yeah. I mean, I, I get the impression that Turner didn't necessarily like Cage. Boy, because no. uh, later on, Cage settled out of court on a libel case in which Kathleen Turner said in her autobiography that Cage got arrested two times and something else. During that film? I, I don't know if it was during that film, but just... Just in passing. I guess, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what, he tried to sue her for it? Uh, Yeah, but they settled out of court. Interesting. Let me see if I can... Good old Imdaba. Old Hollywood gossip. Also, while we're on fun Imdaba trivia, mm-hmm. while visiting the 1960s, Peggy Sue warns her sister about eating red M&Ms. Red M&Ms were discontinued in 1956 when red number two dye was named as a suspected carcinogenic. In 1986, after the film was released, red M&Ms were reintroduced with a different red dye. There you go, red M&M info for you. Yeah. His voice is odd. His look is odd. His look is odd. And I don't... It's the hair and the teeth. We were Mm. suspecting whether he was maybe wearing false teeth. I think he might have been. They looked very, very straight. And then they didn't necessarily in the quote-unquote present Yeah, And also it just looked like they were kind of pushing his top lip out a bit maybe i thought that's why he had like a very slight lisp and i was wondering yeah if that was part of the choice with the voice maybe there's no reason to go nasal with that voice though um he just looks odd i wrote the only time cage looks like the right age is when you're seeing him through a a fence (laughs) there's a scene where he's standing outside um her like baton twirling practice yeah she's a major at and he's looking through like a chained fence, isn't he? Like a, yeah, mm-hmm. like a metal see-through chained fence. And I was like, mm, okay. And on the when you see him through the fence, I'm like, maybe he can pass as like a late teenager. But every other time, I'm like, nah, that's a fucking, yeah. that's a man. Yeah. But this was very early in Cage's career as well. Yeah, we are. Uh, we're. To- I was trying to remember where in the running order it is, but I can't remember. It's very early. It's though. early. It's very early. early. Also early for Jim Carrey. This is his first, isn't it? It's one of his first, I believe. Yeah. Um, if not his first. Very good. Yeah, he's good fun. He has very little, little to, do. to do. You know, a few lines here and there. But... I feel like it's a shame because whenever he's on screen, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I like Jim Carrey. Yeah. Bring on Sonic 2. Oh. Sonic 2, baby. Save me, listener. While we're talking about Cage and performance, yeah, would you like to introduce one of your favourite parts of the show? <gasps> this is a segment I like to call Help! I'm trapped in a glass Nicholas Cage of emotion. Ding, ding, ding. This is the bit where we pick out the cagiest bit of Cage where he goes his most Cage rage nonsense within a movie. Do you have a pick? Have a pick. Go for it. So Kathleen Turner, um, I think we're led to believe it's some kind of heart attack, heart problem at the reunion. Yes, 
whatever happens, she passes out. She wakes up in the school gym where they're doing a blood drive. So yeah, this is the one I was going to go for. Yep. Yeah, she's just given blood and has fainted. That's the conceit. That's why. That's the point at which she's woken up in the, yeah. her past. <laughs> she's lying on this bed and she's coming around. And Nicolas Cage comes over wiggling his fingers going blah 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 I want to suck your blood pretending to be a vampire and it is fucking great. Here's a clip. It's beautiful. Blah! Yeah. It's, it's my pick as well. Such my pick as well. Absolute nonsense. Really odd choice of how to do Dracula. Am yeah. I right? Because yeah. you did. You started to do your my version of that line. I want to suck your blood. I want to blood, blood, But he's just doing something different, which is odd. Um, also, this is this. I mean, if you class that as a performance of Dracula, which I do. <laughs> course you do why uh, wouldn't you this is the second time that francis ford coppola has directed a dracula film <laughs> having directed bram stoker's dracula wow um yeah can Od- we add this to the universal monsters canon dark universe is that what it's called now that's what they were calling it you know when they tried to reboot it with uh tom cruise's the mummy yeah that was it was the name of it was dark universe Wow. That was what they were because they were trying to do the MCU, but with monsters. Yeah, and that flop. I want to see a new like werewolf movie or something like that. Yeah, we've slept on werewolves. I re- what was that werewolf film we watched recently that I really liked? They're in a cabin. Werewolves within. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, it's on Netflix now in the UK. Werewolves yeah. within. Really good. Really good. Fun little comedy horror thing. Yeah, just like. I don't know, I feel like I need a good monster movie that isn't a zombie film. I think they should try and do... Like a creature from the Black Lagoon or something. <gasps> oh my gosh, I can't believe I've blown over this. What? Uh, Nicolas Cage is playing a fucking vampire soon. What? Uh, let me get the info up. Um, it's shooting at the moment. How- Why have you held this information from me? Why? We- we're talking about... Because mon- basically, so I was just about the thing that triggered it. I was just about to say, I feel like we should reboot the Dark Universe. We should do Dark Universe again. but um, Forget the mummy. Forget cause... the mummy and start with the Elizabeth Moss's The Invisible Man. Yes. As the, the start, and do it in that vein and get that guy, um, upgrade director, I can't remember his I name. The director of that, Lee something. Mm-hmm. He should just oversee it all and do these really low budget, but fun, inventive, mm-hmm. creepy horror films. <laughs> Beautiful. dark, And then you could call them Dark Universe, but don't bother with any actual universe building. I don't give yeah. a shit. Um, but then in my head came the thought oh actually I forgot that this is happening uh, Nicolas Cage is currently filming IMDB a film called Renfield oh based on something to do with actual Dracula and he is playing Dracula right and it's about Dracula's henchman played by uh, it's Nicholas Holt right about a boy yeah and skins yeah. And uh, it's got a weird cast, and I don't know if it's supposed to be comedic or not, but it's it's Dracula film. He's playing Dracula. It's directed by Chris McKay, who directed uh, Lego Batman. 
Yes. And the tomorrow, the, best... the tomorrow Wars, starring Crispy Rat. No, no, f- forget that. The best Batman film ever made. Yeah, uh, but it's got Aquafina. It's got Ben Schwartz. Um, oh, I like Aquafina. Yeah. <gasps> Aquafina. Aquaf- I always say Aquafina, which is the gag. That's a cat food, isn't it? Aquafina is no. the gag from BoJack Horseman about uh, her name because yeah. they get a, a dolphin to yeah. play Aquafina. Yeah. Aquafina. My apologies, but yeah. I think that's maybe quite a good choice. Yeah. While we're on horror films. Yeah. Mega carry vibes from the reunion scene. Absolutely. The we lights both start the flashing and I was like, oh my God, it's Carrie. Oh my God, something bad is going to happen. Just when she's about to sort of faint and travel mm. into the past. The lights flash a lot. A bunch of different colours. The camera's pushing in tight on everyone's yeah. faces. It's really, it's very effective. Yeah, it's quite It's, it's a really cheap little sequence of just some flashing lights and shit and a good performance of someone overwhelmed by whatever's going on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I got Carrie vibes as well. I was like, oh no! Don't cover Kathleen Turner in Pig's Blood as well. No, but you know what would be good? This film, but a dark remake. <laughs> Where, yeah. like, she doesn't end up going back to Cage. Because there is a point where Nicolas Cage thinks about smothering her in her sleep. Oh, fuck And yeah. I was like, oh my god, this is going to go really dark. He's going to try and murder her because he wants to talk to her in the fucking basement. He breaks in. He climbs into her house. And all the to... while he's doing those wiggly Dracula fingers. Yeah. Did you the... see that? As yeah, he's yeah, walking yeah. in the house, he's, yeah. like, wiggling his fingers. And he picks up a pillow and places it a couple of inches above her head as if to smother her. And then, and then like, mind. chickens out or whatever. But then she wakes up and he's like, I need to speak to you in the basement. And I was like, he's going to fucking try and murder her. And then, like, that's what I mean in terms of, like, the plotting is weird and inconsistent. In yeah. terms, Because then the next, after that scene, the next time we see him is when he, quote unquote, rescues her from the, the Mason's Lodge. Yes. Isn't it? No, there's a few little scenes. Know. There's the bit with the dog where he's, where he's potentially oh, God. choking a poor dog. He looks like he's mistreating that dog so bad. And there's the bit with the song lyrics where she passes oh, the song lyrics Oh, she gives him Beatles song lyrics. But there's lyrics. like two... There's only there's not enough development in between those two scenes to then... No. Yeah. I odd. was very confused about the timeline of the events in this film because at points they were very specific. Last night this happened and I was like, no, no, so much has happened in between there. That can't have happened last night. Yeah, there was a bit where she said was like, like... You've been talking to this guy for ages. It can't be just one day later. Yeah, there was one of... There was one of... There was like, oh, earlier today I did this. And I was like, we've had like five fucking scenes in yeah, the middle it was there. Yeah, very, very confusing chronology of this back in time. Yeah. And part of me was like, is it almost dream sequency? Like, you know, in a dream where you go from place to place and it's still in your brain the same place. Yeah. Like, you haven't really moved, but everything has changed. Yeah. And that is making an excuse for it. No, but that's a possibility. It's kind of like when you're in a dream, it's like wishy-washy, you jump from place to place. Yeah, but I think if the film were more stylistic in that way, then I would buy it. Yeah. But that's just me making an excuse for it now. No, I know what you mean. But, I mean, it does have... Like, that's one of the things I do really like about it. Is the kind of general tone of which they treat going back in time with. Mm. In that there is... Maybe it's because every time travel film since Back to the Future has treated it in such a 
similar way to Back to the Future does. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't know what's going on. Oh my gosh, look at all these things. They're all so different. And there's a little bit of that. There's a bit where she's in a car and she's looking at the other cars and she hears tequila on the radio and she's like, oh, that's weird. Mm. But actually she kind of goes with it for the majority of it. And the, the, the soundtrack's lovely and like dreamlike and really serene and soft. It's and, very romantic. I really like the soundtrack. Oh, I found it too much. Because often I try, I, I don't, I prefer it when I almost don't notice a soundtrack because it yeah. fits so well. And in this, I found it swelling way too much in like, in the middle of quite long scenes. Yeah. And it's oh, like, no, you're I, not at the point where it needs to swell yet. I quite liked it. It felt very melodramatic. And, I mean, that's fair enough. And like, it, 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 the score did a lot of that like nostalgia pushing that we see so much of nowadays without it doing what it does nowadays, which is like, oh my gosh, look, there's Slimer. Oh, look, there's Ecto-1. Oh, look, there's Mini Marshmallow Men. Yeah, I'm fucking talking about you, Ghostbusters Afterlife. (laughs) Um, You know, it it didn't do any of that necessarily. It was, there wasn't lots of shots of like, oh my gosh, can you remember in the 60s when we all used to go to diners? No, because it's not about that nostalgia. It's about her story. Exactly. So I like that the score did that without us having to do any of it elsewhere. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I wish it did it more quietly. Um, (laughs) But on your point of the fact that she just goes with it, I think that's what's interesting about this film that you don't get a lot is... She's gone back in her own life. She yeah. is just her, but younger again. Yeah. So you don't need to spend loads of time going, oh, what's this? What's this? Because she just knows all that. She, just she lived remembers that it. already. Yeah, she lived it. And yes, the events are slightly different, maybe, but the the surroundings are all the same. The people are all the same. She knows things from the future that she can implement in the past. Yeah. On that note, that was one of the original... In the original version of the scripts, that was one of the main pushes of the story. Was her, when she went back in time, her using her knowledge to invent and create things. Oh, like Biff's Almanac. Yeah, well, we get a little bit of that with her talking about pantyhose. And then Mm -hmm. the next time we see her, she's sewing some pantyhose. That didn't go anywhere! That didn't go anywhere. Oh, no, because I was like... That's great. That, I like that. She's yeah. gonna. She's not gonna choose Kate. She's gonna go. She's not gonna choose any man. She's gonna go and start she's a gonna fucking pantyhose the pantyhose lady. Yeah, and but, she sews a prototype, and then it just disappears when yeah. you see it again. But there's like a lot of that in the original script. Supposedly there was a lot more of that. Uh huh. Of like, uh, team her teaming up with uh, Richard, I guess, and like Richard's the nerd, the character. nerd character, and like creating things that shouldn't be created. Yeah, because she gives him a knowledge. big old list of these things happen in the future, and I was going, oh, "We're getting into some dangerous fucking yeah, territory here if we're talking about yeah. changing the future." Um, but this film dispenses with any kind of logic in yeah. that way. And if she can do basically whatever she wants, and it only seems to ever so vaguely affect the future. Yeah, it's ripply. It's not yeah. big things. Um, one of the things that she was going to change is in the prom at the beginning, we see her interact with one of her classmates who is in a wheelchair. Yes. And one of the things that we were going to see is that that character used to be able to uh, use their legs. Right. And an accident happened, okay. causing them to be placed into a wheelchair, and she was going to try and stop that accident from happening. so that that person didn't have to use a wheelchair that got cut but i like the fact i like the fact that 
fair enough, that got cut. It didn't get cut. It was a different time. That was seen as, a you know, the right thing to do or whatever yeah. back then. But I like the fact that that got cut, but they still went, yeah, that character's in a wheelchair. Yeah. I really respected that for a film that was made in so 1985 was... to have a little side character who was in a wheelchair for no Was that cut pre-filming then? I believe that was like an early draft of the script. Okay. Rather than a... Pre-production. Pre-production, rather than a post-production cut. Yeah. Yeah, I did wonder because they make quite a point of her coming out and I kind of thought this was going to be a character that was going to be secretly in love with Kathleen Turner. Yeah, you... I don't know if it's just the way the actress was playing it or whether that was a plot point that almost got cut or something. Yeah. It's a bit leery. And because she was wearing a suit, and in the eighties, a woman in a suit was, that isn't a, a skirt suit yeah, was means a clear, she's a clear, lesbian. Yeah, clear shortcut for. And I was lesbian. kind of hoping for a little bit of lesbian fun. Yeah, and she might not in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Not in mean. a dirty way. It may be in a bit of a dirty yeah, way. Like a I just love. like I wish she'd done a bit more experimentation in terms of. She basically sticks to Cage throughout, even when she's annoyed with him. Yeah, she she, she goes off with one guy with this writer dude, this yeah. sort of beatnik writer dude. But she is aware the whole time that's a one night thing, and she doesn't want anything more with him. Yeah, and immediately like drops in the next night. Yeah, but, but I does... wish she'd done a bit more experimentation. Like, if the whole point is for her to see if she's led the right life, if she's happy. Yeah. Or if she can be happy again yeah. with Nicolas Cage. And she's basically got free reign, right? Yeah. It, this isn't affecting her future, really. Obviously, she doesn't know that, but she doesn't not know that. Yeah. We just don't... We just ignore that. Yeah. So why doesn't she just try more things? I mean, I guess the the one thing that's probably stopping her from just trying more things slash not ending up with Nicolas Cage at the end is she has a child. She has two kids. Uh, she does have two kids. We only see one, but she, she does misses. have two kids. Uh, talking about the beatnik, though, yeah. he has a great line. Do you know what it is? Do you remember this? Are you going to say, no more jello, jello for me, mom? Yeah, that was the no one. More no jello more jello for me, mom. I love that line. Great stuff. Uh, my note above it, I can't remember anything more about that scene, really. Yeah. My note above it, and I can't even remember if it was from that scene or the scene before is the phrase throbbing thrill hammer. <laughs> that is uh, what Nicolas Cage's character calls his penis. And Lucky Charlie, which is another name for his... Uh, his Johnson. His Johnson. My Lucky Charlie, he says, which is <laughs> fun. But I liked throbbing thrill hammer. It's a good PP name. I mean, it just makes me feel a bit sick. You wouldn't like it if I called it my throbbing thrill no, hammer? No, because also, that's not how you use a hammer. Right, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's you not thrust, how you use you a hammer. You thrust the end back and forwards. And if you have to call it a throbbing thrill hammer, it's probably nowhere near as thrilling as you think it is. No, I'm just saying. Um, my then... favorite phrase of the entire film, yeah, came from Peggy's mum. Peggy, you know what a penis is. Stay away from it. I agree. That is the best advice I've ever heard anyone give, and I stand by that. <laughs> Stay away from it. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. <laughs> it just I ain't got that was to one of that. those comedy moments that kind of comes out of nowhere because there hasn't been anything really like that. It's not been that like 
raunchy or anything up to that no, point. No, it's not like a sex comedy or anything, is it? No, really? there's been like a handful of jokes up to this point, mm. and that one actually. I nearly screamed. I thought that was hilarious. Because it came out of nowhere. I know you did. And I was like, oh no, she's going to have the awkward birds and bees talk because she's 18 and it's the 60s. Yeah. They haven't had that talk yet. And it was just, oh, mwah. Chef's kiss. Perfect. You like that one? Perfect line. I will never write a line of dialogue that is that good. Um, I can't believe we have got this far into the episode without talking about the, uh, the, the, the fact that the film suddenly veers off at one point, uh, for a five minute scene at a Masonic Lodge. Yes! With some fucking- What the fuck? Fabulous headwear. Oh my god, it's made of, like, doorknobs and shit. Um, So, yeah. Peggy Sue's granddad- so she gets a call from her grandma, and obviously, gets... she's forty years old. Her grandma's dead, right? Yeah, and she sort of has. She's a, quite a upset freak out about it. Yeah. And then at the end, she decides she's going to go visit her grandparents. Mm-hmm. And then we just learn that Grandpa's a mason, and at his lodge, they think they can do time travel. Their lodge was founded by a time traveler, and this is a wild third act turn. When I tell you this comes out of literally nowhere, no, yeah. this comes out of literally nowhere. I wouldn't even say a third act turn. It's like a one scene turn. It's one, it's like, it's not even, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not an act turn. The rest of the act isn't about it. It's just one fucking scene. Just suddenly Masonic Lodge time travel dudes. And they're like, we believe you that you've traveled through time. We believe you. We're going to send you back. Because our lodge was founded by a time traveller. Yeah, and we haven't done this for 600 years or something. And they just do a weird little ritual where they uh, cross their hands. If anyone knows the BSL for butterfly, you cross one thumb over the other, have your hands out flat. Yeah. So they look like wiggly butterfly wings. Yeah. And then you put your thumbs either side of your nose and squeeze it and wiggle your fingers. Like that. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. And, and then they ding a they ding a and bell. And they ding a bell. They ding a bell. And then one of them one cracks of them an egg. Speech. And then he dings a bell. And yeah. then one pulls some red stuff in and dings a bell. And yeah. then they all do this. They all do the hand. They all do the, the, ha- the wiggly, the wiggly hand hands. Movement. Because then, they can't uh, do anything to so do with actual masons, I'm sure. And that's supposedly enough to send someone back and in time. And a big uh, priest-like speech. Yeah. And then, to be fair, all the lights go out. Yeah. And we think it's worked. But oh no, Nicolas Cage has come to ruin everything yet again. Abduct her, take her into a greenhouse and then fall asleep with her and then she wakes up. Of course, classic time travel rules. I mean, I did spend a lot of the film going, how how is she supposed to get home? Because there's no clear vehicle. We don't know why she went back to the past. And I kind of respect that the film basically ignored it, but yeah. then I think it got itself into a bit of a muddle going, well, she needs to get back somehow. There's one sequence which is kind of very, very much a typical, like, cliche of the time travel thing. Yeah. Where she goes to talk to Richard and goes, you're not going to believe what I say, and this is a yeah. secret and you can't tell anyone. Do you think time but travel I'm is fr- possible? Do you think time travel's possible? Yes, I do. Like a burrito, so on and so forth. He explains that time travel's real and... They, she explains the situation to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, now we're going to spend every other scene while the romantic stuff's happening trying to get back into back to the future. Yep. Nope. Nope. Uh, he suggests that she... 
um, stands in front of a, a fucking fire engine and gets Oh, to see over. if she dies, because if she's already really dead, dead... Then she won't die. Because she thinks she might have died, and that's why she's in the past. <laughs> and I think technically that's what we're implying, is her heart stopped because they had to do CPR on her, and yeah. this is all a sort of well, post-heart stop world, maybe. There's two, there's two kind of, what I would say is two big open clues about what's happened. Mm-hmm. One, the... And that works on the theory that she is in some sort of dream or coma or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is when she wakes up in the 60s, she walks down a corridor and she sees a uh, sort of a silver foil The Mylar balloon, balloon, which was all at the reunion. Dangling along the ceiling. Yeah. And at the reunion, just before she fainted, one of these balloons went up into yeah. the sky. But then at the end, mm. the book that the beatnik writes yeah. is dedicated to her. Yeah. Which is a clear sign that she did go back in time and she did affect things. Yeah, right. So there is no clear logic as to what But that's happened. the only that's, thing that affected yeah. anything, even though she... That and potentially her relationship with Cage. Yeah, but like this Richard guy, she was telling him about all these portable devices, trying to get him to build a microchip. And I know he yeah. was like a billionaire. Yeah. A kind of, I assume, tech billionaire from that. But yeah. are we implying that this one man invented portable televisions and portable radios and this and that pantyhose hi-fis and pantyhose yeah i i just yeah i just don't know but then that's what like what you said that's not what it's about it's not what it's about it it, it kind of fiddles about and plays with it because it's kind of fun but it it's not um it's not interested in answering those questions for us no it's not meant to it's kind of no it's about the relationship i suppose yeah um, but the Masonic Lodge is a fucking oh, it's wild. A, weird, a weird old treat from old Francis Ford. Drinking too much of his... He's got a winery, you know. Has he? Yeah, drinking too much of his own wine, methinks. Getting high on your own supply, Mr. Ford Coppola. Um, on the subject of time travel. Yep. Elephants, dogs and can-can girls, what do they all have in common? Oh fuck! Oh, um, they can travel in time. They can travel in time, and that is a film I want to see. Three Can Can Girls, uh, as part of a a show like a music hall act, with a dog and an elephant from a circus, all end up going back in time. Yeah, he's, chaos ensues. That's is, the idea. Richard, when he's explaining that time travel can work, he says, "Yes, I believe man can travel in time, and dogs, and, and elephants, elephants, and, and Can Can Girls. Anyone." Yeah, <laughs> those are the four genders: man, dog, yeah. elephant, elephants, can can girls. Which one are you? Um, dog. Which one are you? I think elephant. No. Why are you? Saying oh no, elephant? I'm not saying that in a body shame way. I'm saying that no. in a um, elephants are kind of like chill. <laughs> Don't not mean to in be that rude. way. Not not. I'm not mentally chill, but like slow, calm, calm. Yes, calm. Yeah, yeah. I think you are calm. I'm not sure you're yeah. chill. No, I'm not chill. Calm. That wasn't the right word. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the opposite of chill, chill all the time. You are the can can girl of but chill. Like, overall, yeah. Maybe I'm being flattering to myself, like old and wise. I don't know. I think I see you as elephant. Yeah, I see you as elephant. I think maybe you're. Hey, ma- fuck. I think, maybe I'm a can can girl. I think maybe you're just man. I will be uh, anything but man. Out of those four. Anything options. but man. She's disgusted. 
I am disgusted. Uh, well, why don't I pass over to you then in your mm-hmm. disgust for uh, a part of the show I like to call the Bezo Fun Hour. Here are some reviews from Amazon. This film, four and a half stars on Amazon, over 750 reviews. Fair enough. I see. I see why. I see why. Yeah. I imagine that there's a lot of people who maybe saw it in its original release who've got a lot of strong feelings about it, who like it a lot. Yeah. L- like. I don't imagine there's lots of new f- new fans of this necessarily. It's kind of, it's a product of its time. No, lots of these reviews are, I've seen this lots of times. Yeah. I love it. One of my favourites, you know. yeah. Um, I fully suspect this segment might get cut for not being very funny. <laughs> Well, let's. But do, we've done not funny segments before, so let's continue. Let's with it. rip it off and do it quickly. Brian C says five stars. Fine, entertaining comedy. Fine. Fine, entertaining comedy. Five. I really like this film, despite Nicolas Cage. Oh. A fun bit of time travel jokery. Worth it for the Ed Cell joke alone. What is the Ed Cell joke? I don't know. Who's Ed Cell? Is it like a E-D-S-E-L, name? E D S E L. Oh, one word. word. Edsel. Edsel? Edsel. I don't know. I don't remember that joke. If I... anyone knows what that's talking about, enlighten me. I I looked at the reviews early on in the film, actually. And As was you then listening. Do. And that was then listening. For yeah, an Edsel I, jokes. I get bored after 10 minutes of film. Yeah, I'm really does not, unless movie, we're in a cinema. Does a I'm movie really review bad. podcast looks at her phone halfway through? Yeah, I know. She's got to do her office. Don't do me like this. <laughs> I'm not doing you like nothing. I'm just telling it how it is. You have to do your office starring, starring John Krasinski game. That's the game. That's the game <laughs> at the moment. That's the game at the moment. It's an, The Office. <laughs> NBC's The Office. It's, uh, it's not a great game, but I'm a little bit addicted to it. Yeah, I know. I just like to check on it. I know. Keep my office running. Anyway, uh, Mr. E.D. Payne says five stars. They've gone really, really specifically formal. This review is from 2013. Yeah. This is a vintage review. Like a fine wine. Like nine years old. Like one of Coppola's fine wines. <laughs> it sounds like you're going to start doing that Orson Welles wine commercial. Ah. Uh, there's a French champagne. Having been in love with the 1950s ever since the 1950s ended, I just love to see films which take one back to that time, which, of course, this film does. It does not. It takes you back to 1960, as we have established, Mr. Payne. Not quite up to the standard of, say, Pleasantville, but nevertheless very enjoyable. For 50s buffs, I would recommend it. Who is a 50s buff? What is that job? I don't know. People like that. I, I, but that does remind me. I there was a film in my head that I was thinking that I should that I also compares to this, and it is Pleasantville, and I couldn't think of. You what can it work was. out what it was. Pleasantville. Just a quick diversion. Fucking great film. Yeah, I enjoyed. I it. really like Pleasantville, and it's well worth going back and watching. Okay. Finally, Roger Barry gives it five stars. Yeah. He says interesting and fun rom com from June twenty twenty. Ah, those sweet days of summertime lockdown. Yep. Was a different time. I've seen this film a number of times down the years. It holds up well to repeated viewing and has aged well too. Kathleen Turner is always watchable and Nicolas Cage is at his best in this one. Not sure I would agree, but you're entitled to your opinion. 
It's an 80s film, the majority of which is set in the late 50s, early 60s, and the fact that neither of these periods contain mobile phones or virtue signalling makes it all the better. Oh no! He fucked it! Oh he no! He fucked it three quarters of the way into the review. And Fuck it was you, great Roger Barry. In the 50s, no one got a vaccine. Oh, we didn't have mobile phones, so nuclear war didn't matter. We didn't know anything about it. No one asks Nicolas Cage what his pronouns are. <laughs> they were better times. Consent? What's consent? You can just touch anybody. They're just girls. I was in charge and I'm angry that the world's <laughs> changed. Anyway. Yeah, well, you've probably got a house, Roger Barry, so fuck you. Uh, just a little piece of trivia for this episode of the podcast. We're currently searching for a house. Which is so... my house, and my God, you guys, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, so Chelsea's oh. got house on the mind, and not house MD. <laughs> What's the pity? Get some Hugh Laurie on this show. I only just, I've never seen house. Okay, House MD. Oh, it's very much one episode over I'm, and over I'm again. I'm aware of the basic cons- construct of it. Yeah. I was only only now, only like a month or two ago, yeah. did I see a tweet that awakened me to the fact that House is an adaptation of the Sherlock Holmes story. That's why he is what? called House... Because he is a Sherlock Holmes. That's not that's Twitter bullshit. That's Twitter bullshit, isn't it? I mean, he's not an adaptation, but it's the character. He's a, a, a he's unagreeable an, asshole he's an who's asshole very clever. Who finds? Oh my god, he's the asshole who finds the diagnosis they've been ignoring all along. House Holmes. House Holmes. See, it's very clever. I mean, I'm still not buying it, but okay. Others have outlined the storyline, so I won't go into that. Thanks, Roger. But it's a nostalgic, fun, romantic film that holds up well to repeats of viewings. Well worth a look. Blah, blah, blah. I don't care about your opinion. You got any negatives for me? Well, now, there aren't very many. And most of them are translated from, like, French. And most of those are, this isn't the DVD it advertises on the website. It's it's an American version. I can't use that in my European region. I can't use it in my European region DVD player. Region free DVDs now, please. But here's one. Bear. Gives it one star. Not Bear Grylls. Probably. Not on the island. November 2020. Yeah. Calls their review nothing. The body of their review is nothing. Oh, shit. That was the, it. Just the word nothing. Like, oh, the word just nothing. the word nothing. Oh, I thought when you were saying nothing, no, no, I thought you were talking about a blank space. Because on Amazon, you can just put a star, can't you, without writing yeah, anything. I believe so. They have taken the time to write the word nothing twice. How bizarre. Bear, you crazy boy. And I've got one review, another vintage review, yeah. vintage, vintage review from 2004. Oh my god! Do you remember 2004? That's pre-Hot Fuzz. That's pre-Hot Fuzz. Wow. Shit. B- anyway. B- B- BHF. Before <laughs> Hot Fuzz. It was a different 2004, time. 2004, BHF. BHF. <laughs> Do Me yeah. gives it three stars. And says, worth it, just for Nick Cage's dodgy accent. Clearly not if you only thought it was worth three stars. Yeah. But there we go. This film stars a very young Nick Cage, Jim Carrey, and has Kathleen Turner all playing teens, which is unconvincing from Turner, who looks 30-something throughout the movie. Totally. The film is quite charming, really. It's one of them films that asks, what if? The story is about Peggy Sue, who got married. Duh. <laughs> 
an alternative life is presented to her where she is not married. No, it's just her past, isn't it? It's just her past. Cue a hideous accent by the world's greatest actor, TM, Nick Cage, and we are all set for a good movie. Don't let my waffle about Cage's accent put you off. There is a scene where his acting pays off and is great that Cage insisted, that's in capital letters, that he used the accent to his uncle director. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle director. I'm not done. Okay. Is that that a character from the Adams family, uncle Uncle director? director. (laughs) Okay, the film is a little dated now, but is a great addition to New Line. Rom-com fans. <laughs> this is a trip, this review. This is such a trip. Greatest actor, TM, Nick Cage. What is with the trademark? <laughs> they of the put fr- it in brackets, TM. Fr- Greatest actor, TM, TM, Nick Cage. What a weirdo. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming that was maybe early 2000s, a lot of random humour. But yeah. It's 2004. 2004, that's what I mean, early 2000s. Pre-hot fuzz, we said. BFC. BHF. BHF. What's FC? BFC. Uh, Before Father Christmas. Big, big friendly Christmas. <laughs> big friendly can can girl. Roll dolls, big friendly can can girls. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's um, Jeff Bezos' fun hour. Um, yeah, I mean, that's me. I ain't got nothing else to add to Peggy Sue Got Married. It is a mere lukewarm recommendation from me. I wouldn't avoid it. I wouldn't avoid it, but if you're intrigued by the concept, definitely worth searching out. Yeah, if um, you're into rom-coms But as if well. you're if you're thinking you might take a pass on it, I can understand why. Um, I mean, if it's a toss-up between this and Willy's Wonderland, this every day. Oh, mate. Um, Let's not even mention Willy's Wonderland. Let's pretend that never happened. And um, I don't think this is streaming anywhere. We had to go for a, the old second-hand DVD option. We got very lucky in a charity shop a couple of weeks ago. We did. We also You're welcome, to buy, Dave. We also managed to buy a DVD in a charity shop as well. <laughs> Wait, I'm confused. I was suggesting that we had sex in a charity shop. Oh! Because oh. you said we got very lucky in a charity shop. Yeah. And then I said yes, and we also bought a DVD. Oh, no. I've already been warned to stay away from penis, so... Yep. I will. Uh, thank you, Peggy Sue. Got married. Thank you. Um, th- yeah, that's it. From me. That's it from me. You, there was this particular sign-off you wanted to do for this. Do episode. you know what I it was? I can't remember I know it. what it was. And the problem is... Okay, so um, Nicolas Cage's character wants to be in a band, and he never... We didn't even talk about this in the episode. No. This is staying in, though. I'm fighting for it. Yeah. Nicolas Cage's character wants to be a musician. Yeah. And obviously he yes. never makes it because he's like a deadbeat character who, you know, won't ever make it because he never tries hard enough. Yeah. Is implied. But also, it's hard out there for artist man. Yeah. He... If you go and have a baby, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Not so much for a man, maybe, because we live in that kind of world. But anyway. Um... He and three of his high school friends, including Jim Carrey, uh, are trying to create like a doo-wop group, yeah, like a, a Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons yeah. type thing. And the end of their song is Nicolas Cage singing the words bye-bye. Now, the prop- that I wanted to say bye-bye like that, but I've forgotten what the tune was because we watched two episodes of Schmigadoon and that's all songs. Yeah. 
Well, shall I sign, should we sign off in a different way then? Okay. Uh, and just say, uh, my name's Callum. And my name's Chelsea. And no more jello for me, ma! You know what a penis is. Stay away from it. Bye! Bye! Thank you for listening to our silly little podcast. If you've enjoyed yourself, the best thing you could do for us would be to leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts, because that helps other people find the show. If you'd like to help us out a little bit more, you can find us on all the usual social medias at Nick Cage Pod. That's at N-I-C-C-A-G-E-P-O-D. I'm talking Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. And if that's still not enough, or if you've got a spare couple of quid burning a hole in your pocket, you can buy us a virtual coffee at ko-fi.com forward slash Nick Cage Pod. After all, we need to pay for these ridiculous movies somehow.